0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضررياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين This is the Mubarak 27th night of Ramadan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the sa'adah and the happiness of being able to reach it Allah Ta'ala gave us the tawfiq of being able to reach it and for that we're more indebted to him and we're more in need of uh, his worship and his prayer than a sinner is or a drunk person is or a drug addict is or a thief is or an adulterer is they need to get themselves out of the hole they dug themselves into through their sin uh, to escape punishment we owe a debt to Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala the more we pay it back the more we try to pay it back the more we struggle to pay it back the more in debt we are uh, and so this is a great fadl and mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That we've been invited to his Mubarak house And we've been given good company And we've been given from every sort of risk uh, Every sort of risk There's food to eat, there's things to drink There's a nice warm place to stay inside It's been very cold in these parts Chicago is about the same temperature as Cleveland Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given from every good mashallah, And uh, we've we got to keep that way We've got to stay that way uh, these are a couple of reminders for those good deeds that are going to give you a lot of mileage a person can start them in this night and then make intentions to uh, keep with them for the coming year and for the coming days of one's life uh, and even the intention if the intention starts in a Mubarak time and then in a Mubarak place uh, then it's hoped that the thing that starts with good and that starts with Barakah is going to end with good and it's going to end with Barakah It's going to end with good. It's going to end with barakah. Well, umuru bil khawatim, just like the niyah, the intention is the starting of something and that is a stamp on that deed that shows how it's going to end. Just like that, how the thing ends, umuru bil khawatim, all actions will be judged by the way that they end. The way that they end also is a sign of what the nature of that deed or that thing is. Uh, So we have to uh, also be concerned with how those things end. And one of the most important things, one of the most important things that a person needs to focus on in their life, and this is something very direct, it's not just like a random talk. It's very directly focused uh, on what the point of this Ummah Center is, this masjid that we're in here, um, which is, I'm suspending the normal reading from the majlis, the, you know, for, for the sake of an important message uh, for myself and for others it's very relevant to why we're here what this place is what it represents what the intentions the ideas are behind it which is that you have to keep yourself in good company that's your choice you have to do it a look at the people around you these are the type of people who are going to spend the night in the masjid in an era where spending the night in the masjid has been abandoned literally this year even the Haramain Sharifain didn't have a Khatam of the quran Of course, we don't blame them for that. We accept that the reasons that they gave that they're not doing it for are for the welfare and health of people. Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what's in people's hearts and we have no reason to uh, uh, judge somebody when there's a reasonable excuse to give them. But the fact of the matter remains that still, there's something Allah gave us in this masjid, which used to be a church a couple of weeks ago in Columbia Station that even even in the haramain sharifain it's not it's not there even in the haramain sharifain it's not there the kaaba muazzama the تاسis of which was laid by Sayyidina ibrahim alayhi salam Sayyidina isma'il alayhi salam rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta anta as-sami' al-alim wa tub 'alaina innaka anta that it's a holy and a sacred place in the fina of the Kaaba, the, 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 the hallowed uh, uh, area around the Kaaba, uh, hundreds of prophets are buried there. The place that the, where you make tawaf. The Anbiya, a.s. whose aqwam were destroyed, they came there and they lived the rest of their lives out in the, that place. There is almost no Nabi that came, except for he made Hajj of that house as well. To the point where the Mufassirun write that Sayyidina Nuh, a.s. He made hajj and made tawaf around the house of Allah Ta'ala in the ark. And that Sayyidina Musa Ali came and made hajj around, around that tawaf around that house. What do you think they were doing for 40 years in the wilderness? I remember I mentioned this from time to time. Maybe you've heard it from me before. There was a mustashrik, There's an orientalist uh, professor uh, that I had in University of Washington. He was very nice to me. Uh, um, and he actually mentioned this to me, but he, nobody's going to accuse him of being a Muslim. Definitely if you took his class, you're not going to be under the impression that he uh, follows any uh, form of Islam that we recognize. But uh, he mentioned this to me. He said this. He goes, I'll tell you two things. He goes, that one of the names of the Mount Sinai in the Bible is Mount Horab. He goes, if you look at all of the references to Mount Horab in the old, uh, 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 in, in the old books, it's, it's clear that it's in Hijaz. It's not in the Sinai Peninsula. And the second thing is this, he goes, he goes uh, when the Mufassirun write that uh, Sayyidina Musa Aleyhissam made hajj of the house while Banu Israel was wandering in the desert, he goes, it's not far-fetched at all. He goes, it's literally, it's very, it's actually not far-fetched, it's very probable and possible that in 40 years you can walk, it's just a very short distance to go from one place to the other that the ulama what they write about, you know, that the waad al aqiq uh, uh, that you pass through in order to go to dhul Huleifa, where the Rasul sallallahu took his miqat you know, for hajj and for umrah, that they say that, that so many thousands of anbiya alayhi uh, wa took ihram from this place. This is something that is not far-fetched at all. He says, I don't find it far. Out of all of the things, he goes, I don't find this thing to be very far-fetched. That place, that holy and sacred house that the Prophet visited for whatever reason. This year Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the tawfiq to read the entire Quran in this place. And those people didn't get that tawfiq. That Medina Munawara. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it a greatness that nobody else is going to ever uh, be able to even aspire to. But in this juzi sense, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us something that they didn't have. This means something. Even the the the, the dua, right? I'll be honest with you, I was like, I was pretty near tap, tapped out. It was a long dua, mashallah, you know? But the only thought that came to my mind when like, when, I was, when I was getting to that point was that mashallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent like a, a list of things he wanted to give you, and you're, you're tired of hearing what he wants to give you, and he's not tired of giving, mm-hmm. right? This is, the, this is what our mashayikh tell us, that when Allah ta'ala puts the dua in your heart, it's a sign that he wants to give it to you. The fact that if he didn't want to give it to you, he wouldn't have even allowed you to ask. That's one of the, mashallah, Sheikh Musa and who else? There's some people, mashallah, Hafiz Ibrahim and uh, Bhai Husam and like, mashallah, some of the people we went to visit the Haram Sharif, uncle, we went together, Junaid, we went to visit the Haram Sharif together, mashallah, in, 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 uh, in the previous uh, times before I started wearing niqab, mashallah, I became more religious and started wearing my niqab. But, uh, uh, you know, in those days we went and that's what we would say you see people walking around with their like little dua books and their like masahif and they're yelling and screaming sl- slogans and this and that and it's it's not is not the sunnah what's the sunnah in tawaf the sunnah in tawaf is that you make dua and there's no set dua for for majority most you can say is that the rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to read the dua rabbana atana dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina between the rukan and the maqam between the between the 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 the, the yamani and the black stone other than that it's it's just dua and i remember i went and asked Sheikh Amin for dua one time before a suffer for hajj or for umrah and uh i asked him for dua and for advice he says make dua for whatever you you uh you you think of at that time because being there is a gift from allah ta'ala and he puts ilham in the hearts of the people who are connected with him to ask for the thing that you need he puts ilham in your heart to ask for the things that you need at that time. He sends you there because he wants you to get what you want. So we're called into the court in order to be presented with these gifts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't tire of giving to us. Even if we tire of receiving, that's our own weakness. But what is there? What do you and me have to complain about? Allah ta'ala gave us this huge list of things that he wanted to give us. Alhamdulillah, Amin, ameen, thumma ameen. Allah ta'ala give to us again and again, increase our isti'dad, our ability to receive, Allah Ta'ala increase our ability to receive because we're never going to tap out His ability to give. So this is something to think about, that it's your duty and it's my duty to keep good company. Good company doesn't just mean who you hang out with once a month or once a week. Good company is the people you see when you open your eyes in the morning and the people you see last before you close your eyes in the evening. Good company means the best of the company is the Ahlullah or the Ahlul Masajid. The people of the masjid are the people of Allah Taala. How are you going to make it to the masjid five times a day, or even once a day, if you don't live next to the masjid? We got to think about like not going to masjid like church anymore, and that's one of the reasons that this place. We mentioned that was one of the reasons that, that this place was attractive. By how long have we been talking, Muhammed Musa? How long we've we been talking about this idea? Years before, before I came to ICC, I remember, remember we all sat together, we put together so many majalis. I put together even a PowerPoint and like all that other stuff, pleading with people, whoever takes this idea, it's a good idea, that we have to live together, right? The Rasul and his companions, they made hijrat to Medina Munawwara so that they could live together, they could live around the masjid, the masjid became the focal point of their activities. It doesn't mean that you count have a barbecue it doesn't mean that you can't do all the other nice things that people like doing that i like doing myself that are not you know that are jayas and are pleasant but the focal point of it should be the house of allah ta'ala part of it is what you have to you have to keep good company you have to keep the company of truthful people one of the things that 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 that's unfortunate about the age we live in is that there's a lot of platform given to bogus people bogus people are the ones who Want to uh, keep subjecting to themselves, subjecting themselves to the things that will hurt them. They want to keep subjecting themselves to zina in the speech that they speak, in the songs that they listen to, in the th- way that they show themselves, in the way that they're seen, and the way that they show themselves to you, and the way that you see them. Why do we traumatize ourselves with those things again and again? You know it's bad for you. I know it's bad for you. Stop, stop keeping that company. There are people who want to uh, feed you a, a a vision of life, which is a completely a tunnel vision that doesn't benefit you at all. It just benefits them. I know so many corporations. When a person gets a corporate job, what will like the, the big corporations? People are like, oh, I'm going to work for this corporate. or that corp. I don't want to take names, not necessarily because it's a secret, but because I don't want to say one's more evil than the other. They're all they're all evil. Why? Because even if they're the most ethical, humane, wokest corporation, what are they going to do? They're going to say, well. We have this campus and we're going to store your car at like, you know, 64.3 degrees and it's going to be very comfortable and well taken care of and we're going to wash it every hour on the hour and we're going to, you know, you have the most ergonomic chair to sit in and the most like ergonomic type keyboard and there's a fridge and you can have as much Coke and Pepsi as you want. Oh, that's bad for you, you can have as much organic uh, double, triple certified, GMO, uh, fair trade, but whatever, uh, you know, level seven, uh, uh, you know, ambrosia drink, you know, that's like all the new thing that costs like $7 a drink. We use a fridge full of them. You have as many of them as you want. And when you want to work out, there's a gym on the campus. And when you want to massage, you're going to, you can have a free massage. And when you want to have this, you can have this, you can have that. And then we have a retirement plan. We have a pension plan. We have a vacation plan. We have this plan. We have that plan. Basically, what do they want to do? They want to cocoon up your entire life. Cocoon up your entire life that you spend as much time as possible there. Convincing you that your happiness is with them. And the fact of the matter is they don't give a damn about you. If you weren't making more money for them than they're paying you, you and them would have nothing to say to each other. They don't give a... It's literally all about the bottom line. You know it, I know it, it's, it's, not, it's not like a shock. Of, uh, you know, this sheikh is making things up. No, 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 there are sheikhs that make stuff up. Maybe I'm one of them too, who knows. But this is one of those things, I'm not making it up. You know, it's not, it's not like a shock. But, but still, we subject ourselves to the company, not only of those people who want to like, give us these kind of stupid dreams that are in their benefit and not ours, and we know it. We also want to keep company with the other like, stupid like, rubes who've like fallen for that, for that con, And this is part of what's really jarring and disturbing about modern living, modern not meaning like 2021, modern meaning like philosophically modern living, is that in the old days, even, even people who weren't religious, forget about Muslims, even people who weren't religious, they understood that their happiness came from their family. It was expected that a son would be like his father, would look up to his father, you know, a father would do anything for his son, for his daughters. His son would, you know, the one person that he held in most esteem more than anybody else in the world is his father. Nowadays, that type of relationship between father and son is considered, zulm it's considered to be a type of oppression. So every Disney movie you've ever watched is reliably, predictably like clockwork. Go ahead and think about it back in your head. It's always about how a son doesn't want to be like his father. Which, okay, it does happen sometimes. But it's not all the time, nor is it nearly half of the time. It's a very rare exception. It's not a rule. Think about this. What is the, what is the, you know, who benefits from this, from breaking the bonds between parents and children? Who benefits from breaking the bonds between husband and wife? Who benefits from breaking the bonds of family? Family is a type of structure and authority. It's a necessity for efficiency. Because life is rough, you know, life in the jungle is nasty, brutish, and short. So we need to protect each other, we need to be there for each other, we need to specialize in work so that we can increase efficiency, and we need to share those efficiencies with one another so that we don't spend all of our day like foraging through the woods for berries and nuts. Which is, there are some people who still live like that. Admittedly few, but there are people in the world who still live like that. Many of them are cannibals, by the way. Uh, So it's hard to get Hafsa-certified outlets in those places (laughs) right is that you don't want to live that life you don't want to live that life why because family is like something really important and the dismemberment of the family who benefits from that well what's the structure of efficiency that's going to gain from you reorienting your uh, uh, your uh, lifestyle away from a family you could either go back to the jungle which very few people are willing to do nowadays Who's going to benefit from that, that, that kind of that dismembering of the family? Like if the family's taken apart, like imagine uh, Kmart goes out of business because Walmart like beat them out of business or whatever. So they have a big closing sale and then who's going to go buy from the Kmart all the stuff that's left over at a discount and who's going to buy the Kmart building and do something with it, right? Like there's a Kmart in, in whatever, Parma, Brook Park, whatever, that's like halfway between your old apartment and between ICC, right? Who benefits from that? Right? In that case, maybe Amu has like some sort of cash and carrier gas station, whatever, he'll buy all the stuff that is in his gas station and he'll sell it off at a discount and somebody will buy the building and open their own whatever, somebody will do this. Who benefits from all of it? Two groups benefit from it, the state and, and corporations, which is like they're quasi-state organizations. I have no problem with the state. The state is necessary. It may be a necessary evil, but it's still necessary because without the state, there's many mafasid, There are many types of mischief that would occur in society that uh, need to be avoided. So that's fine, but one should realize what the benefit of the state is and what, in what capacities the state will overreach and become tyranny. The state is good at organizing defense from like invasions from other countries. It's good at like setting speed limits and like uh, uh, like red light cameras. You know, people shouldn't be running red lights. I've got a ticket or two in my life, but I deserve it. I just fess up and pay. You know, I don't try to hire hire a lawyer. I said this is kind of bogus. I should have stopped, right? But the state, what they're not good at is providing you with 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 human fulfillment as a replacement by family. The state is not good for good as a family for you. Corporations are not good as a family for you. These are such foundational, foundational like realizations or understandings, and they are the understandings that made this country great in the first place. They made this country great in the first place that people used to have very strong families. You and me probably know people who we went to school with, especially those of us who grew up in this country, that were upright people. You know that had strong. Family. I remember the school I went to. There were several children that both of their parents were school teachers in that school. Only and only because they cared for their children so much that they wanted to make sure that their children were raised right. So they said, "What is a way that we can take care of our children in the best way possible?" They went and became school teachers in the, in, the, in the school. And that the the year that their children, their last child, graduated from from high school, all of them, without exception, all quit and got real jobs. Intelligent people, Stanford graduates, these types of. But what was it? They lived in a time where people didn't drink the Kool-Aid of like this kind of uh, bogus and nonsense lifestyle of believing that somehow, like a corporation or, or the government is going to hand you a check, or that somehow if you, you know, enough people will like, I don't know, whatever re TikTok. You, I don't, I don't even know how it works. Uninstall it from your phone, right? It's like Chinese spyware. I don't know why people have. It. I don't even know why people have Twitter and Facebook. But this is like even dumber than that, right? They knew that that's not going to bring anything productive or healthy to you. So they invested their time. And you know what? All of those people, their children, some of them were not even nice kids. Some of them were very spoiled and I think even immoral kids. But all of them were very bright. And all of them, many of them actually were morally upright. Much more so than than the average person in school. And many of them went on to become very capable people. They went to Ivy League schools. They have positions in government. They have You know, the ones who went the corporate route, they did really well at it. Now, for me, it's kind of sad to see that all this human potential is wasted, that they're gonna in the end they're still gonna be crushed into that same machine. They're gonna be sent into that same grinder. How are they supposed to know better? They neither know Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam nor do their forefathers. You and me, we know better. This talk that I'm giving right now. I've not yet had to make reference to any ayah of the book of Allah subhanahu wa taala, nor any hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi But I'll tell you what the munasaba, the connection of it with Deen is: is this is that you have a very fundamental understanding that you cannot be a good alim, you cannot be a good scholar until you learn how to become a Muslim. You cannot be a scholar until you learn how to become a Muslim. You can. I know people like this. They've literally memorized books of fiqh. They've memorized books of hadith. They've memorized books of... like Memorized, memorized. But still, they don't have the tawfiq of praying 20 raka'as. They can't do it. They can't bring themselves to do it. How will they understand what the meaning of that knowledge is? There are so many things I learned about them in the books of fiqh, and then afterward, I thought like we should probably practice them in order to understand what they know. Any mas'ala of fiqh, If you ask the faqih who can prattle off like a lot of details about it versus somebody who's actually been through that experience before, the person who's been through that experience before will always have more insight. In order to be a good scholar, you have to first learn how to be a good Muslim. In order to be a good Muslim, you have to first learn how to be a good human being. You cannot be a good human being alone. You have to have family. I mean, you can. There are people, like, if someone was, like, born and raised, like, in the jungle by wolves or whatever, and then they came back into the, you know, uh, into civilization, and Hussam taught him, like, I, Hussam, you, you know, wolf boy. He says, wolf boy, want food. You know, like, and later on, like, t- t- you know, 10 years later, he's, like, you know, comes to the masjid. Yes, there, you can. Okay. He's learned how to be a human being. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens the door for him to have spiritual awakenings that he's not going to have when he's like busy like fighting over a piece of meat with the other wolves. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala says that. He says, Quraysh, look at you out of, all the, out of all the Arabs. Out of all the Arabs. There are Bedouins that walk from place to place not knowing if they're going to find a well with water in it. Not knowing if they're going to find even just a little bit of shrubbery so that their herds don't die when right? That there are people who are getting picked off and destroyed because of scarcity, because of war, because of all things all around them. And they're the ones, they sit in their own There's nothing will grow there. You couldn't grow anything there, even if you had all the water in the world, you couldn't grow anything. You pour zamzam all over, you can't grow anything. That land is like salt. It's Nothing will grow in it yet they sit in that place and the entire all the tribes of the arabs would bring risk to them and then after after rasul sallallahu alaihi literally all the nations of the world bring azak to them allah taala is trying to tell them we read that in the juz amma tonight right mashallah tafsir desert mashallah for sheikh musa mashallah from sheikh musa Allah Ta'ala says, أَطْعَامَهُمْ مِنْ جُوعٍ وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفِ يَسَلُ لَتْتَمْ رَبَّ هَذَا الْبَيْتِ Let them actually worship the Lord of this house. The one who uh, 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 fed them when they were hungry. Fed them from, so that they don't have to worry about hunger anymore. وَآمَنَهُمْ مِنْ خَوْفِ And the one who gave them security from fear. That they don't have to worry. The, 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 the people of the Kaaba you know, people don't come to the Kaaba to make war. People come to the Kaaba to make peace people don't come to the kaaba to hate people lovers come to the kaaba people go make the offer the house of allah ta'ala and it's like it's like a wedding in lahore mashallah. they're like throwing like like real notes to the left and right giving sweet, street sweepers and cleaners and you know so the guy the Bengali shopkeeper is smoking cigarettes someone will give him 20 reals Radhi he went with us to uh, uh, Umrah mashallah he's not here so we can you know mashallah he's also majzoob mashallah subhanahu wa ta, except for him he's giving out 10 real notes to everybody he gave a 10 real note to the, the jawazat guy like on the way out of the airport and uh, the jawazat guy he literally he like he he, he it, he, he's like what is this guy crazy like he points to the camera I don't think he knew he was an Arab right so he points to the camera that there's a camera watching us he points to it and he, he, he wags his finger like no he points to the camera and he goes tss, tss. like he made a ishara like they're going to take us both to jail if, if you do this you know again Radhi Miskin like he's just, he's just uh, people come they're like so happy they're just like it's like a, this is how you know it's like a wedding in Punjab this people throw money all over the place right why that's what people come for so after, after Allah gave you all of that, then just like, you know, it's your duty to like worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to like think about bigger things than other people are thinking about if you're so insecure that you think nobody loves you that you have to get the reassurance from like, you know, like whatever, 15 likes on Twitter. Then go ahead, you know, like patch up your broken self, you know. When you're done with that, when you're ready to be a human being, I don't think it's going to help you patch up. I think it's going to actually make it even the hurt and the brokenness even go deeper. But if that's what you need, go ahead. When you're done and you're ready to be a normal human being, it's enough for you to say to your father, to your mother, I love you. To your children, I love you. To your wife, to your husband, I love you. To your friends, to the people in the masjid. If you have none of those, some people have none of them. There are people, entire people lost their entire family. I met people like that. Their entire The earthquake that happened in Balakot in, in, in uh, uh, Pakistan, 2005, there are people, their entire village was swallowed up. Only one, two, three, four people survived from that. They literally lost everybody that they knew. They live in a new place, they'll never see their home again. All in a moment, gone. You can all, always tell Allah Ta'ala, I love you. It's kind of awkward when you say it like that. But that's the thing. You, you, you can say it in how many ways you can say it. The house of Allah, always a place that you can have that love. How are you going to know what that even means if you never loved your mother, if you never loved your father? If you know, I mean, you can learn those things if you're in that circumstance. But the normal, easiest route to learn those things is what is to have that model inside of your family. If that dynamic isn't there, something is very wrong. If you sold that dynamic in order to get a job at some corporation or in order to... You know, uh, watch some more TV, or in order to buy a like a fancier phone, or in order to you know do any of those you know those types of things. Boy, like someone sold you like some bad goods, right? The 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 the, the day of judgment is described as the yomat taghabun It was one of the, la- the surahs we la- la- read last night. taghabun is what? Tahabun is like when somebody sells you something, you think it's one thing, and it's 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 the it's really the other you bought like a new pair of like wraparound like Oakley glasses for like $300 at the whatever at the mall, like the Ray-Ban store or whatever. And you got home and you notice they're not Oakley's, they're Jokley's. Like we used to get from the Redondo Beach swap meet, you know? Or Tijuana, man, mashallah. You San Diego, you're already there, right? You swap meet city, mashallah. That's like the Mecca of like swap meets. You get home and you, you paid the Oakley price and you got the Jokley product. You'll be like, this is a rip-off and you can't, it's too late. You can't get your money back. That's the point of projects like this, is that every group of believers, it's a farth kifaya that you should get together with other people, build your houses next to each other, live next to each other, pray with one another, make friends with one another, invite one another to your houses, forgive one another when you do bogus stuff to each other. And the best forgiveness is not the one that, like, the person comes and says, I'm sorry. If someone ever says, I'm sorry to you, you should forgive them. The fact that they even bother to say, I'm sorry, is like, means that this person is, like, a wali of Allah Ta'ala. The wilaya has different darajat. Obviously, the highest darajah are the people who are not going to be bogus with one another in the first place. But trust me, if someone has enough, like, moral courage inside themselves to say sorry to you, chances are that that person is already, like, above the 85th percentile. You're not going to find people like that easily. It's really, it's not even human to, to, to not forgive someone if they actually come and say sorry to you. The, the forgiveness of the sunnah is to forgive the people who don't say I'm sorry. For what? For a higher benefit. Because your goal is not to, it's not to ingratiate other people and be like, okay, like, I'm, like, I have to get you into Jannah. You say sorry more for your own success than you do for theirs. Why? Because we have to be, no matter how bogus the people in this room are, this is who, this is who we got you're not going to go on uh, uh, Yom al and look for a representative Jim Jordan to get you into Jannah. It's not, it's not going to, those people are not helpful. Government people, corporate people, Elon Musk is not going to help you get into <coughs> Jannah unless there's a very dramatic turn of events in the future. But currently, as it seems, it's probably not where you're going to look for if you, have, if you have any sense about you right now. You're not gonna, what's, what's this other guy? What's this, uh, uh, you know, Bill Gates and the, the other, Jeff Bezos and their, uh, mashallah, recently wealthy ex-wives, dude, you gotta hit, if, if what's his name, Bezos' ex-wife is any sign, you gotta hit up Melinda Gates. She's, she has some money to, to put out. You know, Uma Center might, yeah man, some of that vaccine money or something, I don't know. Just look into it, right? Those are not people you're going to, you're not going to get anything from those people like on that day, like the way it is right now, even if they convert to Islam and things like that, you know, there are certain people you're going to get something from, you forgive each other, it's good for you, if somebody is a jerk to you, still, who are you going to, are you going to marry your children to their children, or are you going to marry your children to each other's children in this room? Mm. Nobody wants to think about, why, because it's like, it's like a a villager type of thing to think about, like, who are my children going to marry, Right? were some America, we're going to become professionals and we're going to make money. We don't have to worry about those things anymore, right? Because it's really easy to like go through those things because that's not a big deal. As long as you get into Harvard, the fact that you end up with a spouse that completely makes your life into a living hell, male or female, right? That's not a big deal. We can overcome that as long as we have degrees and money, right? I'm not saying don't get degrees, don't get money. I have degrees and money myself, mashallah. But I'm just saying that that's one thing. This is another thing. This is another issue. It's another problem that requires a solution. I promise you, if you're poor, I've seen poor people with families that are like stable. You're a lot better off if you're a poor person with a family that's stable than you are as a wealthy person, who's uh, you know all the human uh, uh, interactions are so completely shattered and jagged that uh, uh, you know you cannot get through any you know any day without like so many different types of pills. I apologize if I'm saying this in a bad way, maybe I should like be more sensitive about it. Because some of us in the, this room are in that position right now or have been in that position at some time. And I don't say that in order to uh, discount or mock or make it because I've seen that happen. It's pain, you know. And then you're like, shoot, there needs to be a better way of getting through life than this. Some people, it's not their choice. We ask a lot to help them, and we, we we fully 100% appreciate the work that the doctors do with them, and we appreciate the, the services that, that, that they benefit from and say that this is something that needs to, uh, uh, you know, happen for those people. But every person knows better than having the top cardiac surgeon uh, do your seven bypasses in the world is perhaps maybe 10 years earlier, if you started taking a walk, you know, once every three days and stopped eating seven cheeseburgers and. a... Uh, two liter of coke daily. That may have been a better solution to this than saying alhamdulillah, mashallah, like the top surgeon in the Mayo Clinic or the Cleveland Clinic, I'm sorry, has uh, you know, done my seven bypasses and alhamdulillah, mashallah, I have this like new artificial heart that doesn't have a beat. It's pretty cool, you wanna see it. You know, like alhamdulillah, those people who got it, it's a ni'mah, it's a blessing, we thank Allah for it. But you, you should see why one is a more common sense solution than the other. So this is a time, these things require a lot of help. There's a lot of like machinery in society stacked against you ever thinking about these things. Why? Because if you're happy with your family, and you're happy in your neighborhood with your neighbors, and if you're happy with one another, and if the salat is the coolness of your eye, you may not buy an iPhone every year. You may not buy a new car every three years or four years. You may not, uh, you, know, uh, you know, spend $10 a month on Amazon Prime. Or how much is it? It's more, than they upped it, right? $16 a month on Amazon Prime. And you might not spend $25 on Netflix a month. And you might not spend however much the, the nice Verizon or ghetto people like me, T-Mobile, you know, their, their, their unlimited plan. You might not, you may stop spending money on those things and you really don't need it anymore. Like, one thing is like, oh, I'm going to cut back and be a real, like, Zahid, you know, I'm going to be a real, like, do without the dunya. One thing is like you realize you've been paying for this thing for like years and you just haven't been using it because you just don't want want it anymore. You just realize it means nothing to you. That instead of having to binge watch like some, uh, you know, weird obscene uh, uh, Netflix special about like, you know, oh, look at this child and her four dads or whatever, right? Instead of having to binge watch those series, you actually have a child and they come home and say, oh, Baba, I love you. And you're like, okay, it's time to go to maktab. And you go with them to maktab and you walk with them and you walk home. And that's it. How many times, you guys all know, you know my t- temperament and disposition. I've never been one to try to like, uh, 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 she, you know, pr- project some sort of public persona of whatever. You know me, I get upset about things. I get upset about a lot of things and I work with people who do things that justifiably upset me about stuff. So what about the, the, the people who unjustifiably upset me about things? All of the stress that I have to deal with, all of the difficulty that I have to deal with, Wallah al I come home if my children give me a hug and say I love you to me, all of it is gone. All of it is gone like that. And all of you know what that is, know what it means. Yet, yet, there are people in this very room, it's very possible if they make slightly different decisions, that they may work so many more hours at their job, just in order to pay off the house, just in order to pay for going on a trip every year, just in order to this, in order to that, they will miss that small window of time in their, the lives of their children, in the, the life of their marriages, in the life of their relationships with their parents, because your parents are not going to be around forever either. That small window in your relationship with those people that you take for granted and think will be like that forever, you'll miss that window, and then the, 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 the bird will be out of your hand. Because your kids, look at these, this, this the Chotu is like sleeping on the carpet in the back. See that mashallah, everyone say mashallah. See, he's like, he's like, oh man, don't look at me, right? At this age, at this age, you can wake him up for Fajr. You can throw water in his face. You can be like, if you don't go to Fajr, you're not gonna get candy, you're not gonna get gum, you're not gonna go to the park, you're not gonna this, you're not gonna that. And he'll, he'll get up. And if you do it like that for like four or five months, it'll become a habit. Later on, he might choose to abandon it. Allah protect him and protect all of us. But if he chooses to not abandon it, it will be easy for him to take the path of righteousness. You will have made it easy for him. Or you can let him sleep through the Fajr. And when he's 18, you're going to be like, by the way, you know, you're Baler, you know you kind of should have been praying for the last three years. So you have to make up qada. Forget about qada. He's not even going to wake up for fajr tomorrow. Even if he hears a bayan, Shaykh Musa, like the whole crowd and everyone's crying and the khatam dua and everything, and he wants to wake up in, for fajr in the morning, how is he going to do, the, do, do that? It's like an extraordinary type of mujahada. I remember when I first started waking up for fajr. Forget about you know, like forget about praying two sunnahs. That people like pray two sunnahs before fajr. Like <laughs> you joking? Are You kidding me? Pray sunnahs but you were lucky at me praying fajr, man. You're lucky at me making wudu. At this point, I couldn't even I couldn't even I couldn't even read the Fatiha out loud if you wanted me to at that time. Fourteen, I started waking up. I couldn't even read the Fatiha out loud if I wanted to at that time. I must have been nineteen or twenty before. Be be brutally honest with you. Even though as a and as a, a person who talks a really big game as far as like Deen is concerned, I know how shameful it is. It's it's shameful. I must have been at least 19 or 20 before I seriously considered the possibility of, forget about even going to the masjid, seriously even consider the possibility that like I'm going to pray two raka'as that I don't have, have to have to pray before Fajr. It's hard. If you don't have those habits from, from before, but now it's just a habit, now it's one of those things, even if the alarm doesn't go off, I'm going to end up waking, maybe waking up 10, 15 minutes after the sun rises at maximum because the body is not able to sleep at that time because it's a habit if you give that to your, you know, there's a limited window that you can do those things in every relationship. Every relationship is not going to be like parents and children, but there's a relationship. You have a window of certain things that you can cultivate with your parents. With your parents, it's the other way around. That there are certain bonds that you can make with them later in life if Allah gives them the he gives you both the tawfiq of being together with them. That they wouldn't have listened to you when they were younger, but when they need you, they're gonna. They're, you can show them certain types of kindness you weren't able to because of your weakness and because of their strength at that time. You have to spend that time because you can't get it at any other time. You definitely can't get it after they pass from this world. Your children, when they're little, you have to spend that time with them. And your kids are not there for you to be friends with them. For God's sake, stop trying to be friends with your kids. You're not cool. You're not going to be cool, Dad. They should love you, but they are not. They have their own friends, other little kids. Don't be like a loser that like you're trying to like relive your uh, uh, middle school that no one would talk to you. So now I'm going to talk to my kids. That's, don't do that. They don't need you to be their, your friends. They need you to be their parents. But there's only a limited amount of time that they're gonna listen to you because this mashallah 8, 9, 10, 11 is gonna turn into like 17, 18. It's gonna turn into 23. They're gonna go to MSA, they're gonna go to school, they're gonna learn what paradigm and narrative means and they're not gonna wanna listen to anything from you anymore and the chance you had to make that quality connection is gonna be gone. Why should everyone have to fight the uphill battle? Fight the uphill battle alone where we can all do it together. You and me, we all know we're going to go to Yom Al-Qiyamah one day. These are v- literally those basic things that we're going to get judged on. And as smooth-talking as you know, Hussam is, and as smooth-talking as Sheikh Musa is, and as Masha, uh, tech and multimedia and social media savvy as Atiyah is, you're not going to fight against like government and corporations. After the French Revolution and after like uh, 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 Nazi Germany, it basically there are two big boosts that changed the way world governments work. Basically, all the world governments realized Nazis are up to something, onto something good. So they fought against them because nobody wanted to be ruled by Germans or whatever. But like then afterward, they're like, we gotta become like them, otherwise we're gonna go out of, uh, we're gonna get become extinct. And there's a new wave of this happening right now. Look at the way China runs its government. Look at repressive governments from the Muslim world, how they're using technology, how they're using data, how they're using all these things in order to completely have an iron grip, make society like a prison. Never in the history of humanity has such a small group of people been able to completely restrain, like animals in leashes and chains, restrain such large groups of people. If you plug into that system, you see that it's literally like human beings are being fed into a... A slaughterhouse that there's cows going into a building and boxes of ground beef of coming out of ground beef coming out of the building. Put two and two together. You don't want to be in that line. You don't want to be in that line. You don't have to boycott modernity in order to do that. You just make a couple of very small steps. Build your houses together. Tell your kids instead of having insta insta, we're going to just have a real barbecue. Like Would you rather see someone else a picture of someone else's dinner or we can have the dinner ourselves, inshallah? You can't do it alone. You can't do it every single time alone. So you pull your resources in order to in order to do it, uh, uh, you know, with some sort of efficiency, because at some point or another, other people have to, uh, you know, people have to go to work and earn a living and do all of these things. If we do it together, we have a lot. It'll be a lot easier. It'll be a lot more fulfilling. A lot that will be more pleased with us. Because deen is not supposed to make you into some sort of spiritual warlord. That like, I'm like the pious guy into hell with the rest of society. I'm going to be the last man on the hill standing. People have that mentality. Those people, they're designed for defeat. Success happens what? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that, you know, that, that, that you know, when the, the companions عنه, would put their hands together to take bay'ah with the Prophet to give the oath of allegiance. The only thing I can think of from my life that resembles that is like after like or like before a sports match of some sort where one two three team right. The expression is what, Allah's hand is with the with 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 the huddle. We don't mean it literally because we mean it. We don't mean that Allah. It's not. It doesn't mean that Allah has a body or something like that. The Arabs understood exactly what this meant. What does it mean? That when you take your hands and you put, cast your hands in together, you cast your lot together, then who's with you in that pledge? Who's with you in that covenant? Allah. Now, theoretical, I know we're not, you know, people they accuse the Asha'ira and the Maturidi of speculating about Allah Ta'ala, and uh, that's a bad thing. It is a bad thing, so we're gonna go out on, on a limb here. If somebody wants to use this against me later, it's gonna be recorded and you can splice this out, inshallah. You use it against me. Theoretically speaking, if there was a sports match between two teams, you know, Allah Ta'a was on one team and the uh, other team didn't have Allah on it. Which team is going to win? I'll tell you, it's actually not speculation, it's the nasad of Quran. Allah, إِنَّ حِزْبَ اللَّهِ هُمُ الْغَالِبُونَ هُمُ المفلحون. No, indeed, the party that's with Allah, they're the ones who will be the overwhelming victors. They're the ones who are going to achieve success, they're the ones who are going to achieve happiness. They're going to be the ones that achieve felicitousness. And the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's covenant is with who? The ones who make covenant with? One another. So it's great, rugged individuality. You know, God bless America. Alhamdulillah, you're all individuals. Don't let anyone else take your guns away ever. No one. Don't let anyone else uh, you know, take away your rights. You know, Alhamdulillah, mashallah out of my cold dead hands etc ad nauseum all that stuff's great wonderful and you have your rugged individualism and you're going to be a maverick and all that other jazz that's fine within reason it's it's cool it's okay but don't be so individualist that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi he mentioned that uh, don't stray far from the jama'ah why because the wolf always eats the the sheep that strays far from the flock which is true if there's a flock of sheep, domesticated or, or wild, rams or something like that. If the wolf attacks the flock, what will happen? A ram, if it's charging at full speed with horns and things like that, it can really, it can, you know, two or three of them, if they butt that, 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 that uh, uh, wolf, they can mess it up pretty bad. They can kill it. They can break a leg. If, you ha- if you're a wolf and you get a b- b- broken leg. You know, it's not like you're going to get like two days, two weeks paid vacation from work and like free visits from Cleveland Clinic. And but but then you know, Dr. Ibrahim will like assess you initially, and then your MRI is going to be looked at by Hafiz Furqan, Dr. Furqan. And that's not how that works. If your leg is broken, you're going to starve to death because you can't get to any food, right? And that's it, that's game over. This, there's, there's no more to the story. So the wolf is not stupid enough to attack the flock head on. What did the Prophet notice? He noticed this, which you don't have to be a Muslim to have noticed, is that they always attack the straggler, the one that's weak, the one that's sick, or the one that's dumb enough to not be concerned, where's the rest of the flock, and strays off mindlessly, innocently. How lovable. It's, it's lovable, you know, whimsical. I'm going and smelling a flower while everybody else is taking the beaten path. I'm traveling the path, let's travel. That it has made all the difference. English poetry is so horrible. Anyway. You're doing this thing that like our society idolizes. Which is fine. Go right ahead and do it. If everyone's jumping off a bridge, please be my guest. Don't jump off the bridge. But that doesn't mean all the time you should be separate from the flock. The flock actually has some benefits in it as well. Why? Because the wolf always eats the the sheep that strays from the flock. The Prophet ﷺ said that. Who's the wolf? Look in any book of comment. The wolf is shaitan. Man the one who wants to be unique and different, that person will be unique and different. The entire ummah is going to go to Jannah, that person will be alone in the hellfire. So don't listen to some crazy person on YouTube and who's like, oh, you know, like all the ulama, they didn't understand the deen and I understand it. And like, I'll tell you, Mike, you know, in the Quran when it says that you can't eat pork, this doesn't mean that it's haram to eat bacon. This means that, you know, we should cut government spending and not have you know uh, pu- uh, pu- pork items you know like you know uh, tacked onto like stimulus bills that's what it means all the mullahs don't know what they're doing they just you know they're just eating their hulwa, right no man it's okay that, that's interesting that's a weird that wheel good day i wish you well good luck with that let me know how it turns out we're gonna stick with what the Jamaah says and what they understood why because allah ta'ala the barakah is with the jamaah. and the prophet said stick with the sawad and uh, in fact what we know is that the person who strays from the flock generally this is not a good sign it is possible maybe that person understood something that nobody else in cleveland understood but it's a very small possibility we're going to do our homework do our due diligence and in general that's not a good sign the problem we have over here is that there's no jama'a, and there's not been any effort to think about making a jamaah for so long Cleveland has so many Muslims in it. has so many Muslims in it, and it's a more well-established and an older community than Chicago is. The masjid I go to for tarawih in Lombard, which is not the city of Chicago, it's like some like random like complete like nondescript suburb that it, you you know you it's not even like flyover country. But there's no freeway that goes through it. You know, uh, uh, Lombard the masjid that's down the road from my house one of like seven masajid that masjid, you want to know about the tarawih that we have over there the, there's one uh, main tarawih. the khatam is going to be day after tomorrow on the 29th Mufti Azim Mufti Minhaj is doing the khatam that's going to be on the 29th his brother Mufti Azim is doing another khatam in the, in the building behind it and in the basement there's a khatam that was uh, 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 in a different qira'ah that was done in 10 days and in every room of Dar Salam. There are, there, are, there are 30 classrooms. Every room there's a different taraweeh going on. One finishing on the 10th, one finishing on the 7th, one finishing on the 20th, one finishing on the 15th. Every day they have a different khatam that's, that's finishing. They have a khatam dua in, 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 uh, in that masjid. It's like a Disneyland of, of like, but like, instead of like Mickey Mouse's taraweeh. There is one masjid on North Avenue, down the street from my house in which there are literally 10 times the number of taraweeh that are happening in that one masjid than the entire Cleveland. This is not an issue of resources. This is an issue of priorities. Those people are not more pious than you and me. Those people are not smarter than you and me. Those people are not more good-looking than you and me. Those people are not more wealthy than you and me. In fact, in fact, that that community is, median uh, uh, earning of that community is lower. It's actually a lower income Uh, uh, demographic. They're barely able to pay for their own masajid. uh, And they're barely able to fund their own masajid. The only difference is that there's a difference in vision that some people, not everybody, not even a majority of people, a very small number, just like this is a small number of people in Cleveland, a small number of people in that community They got together They said that this is a vision That we want to have for our future And then they fought with each other And they made two groups And four groups And seven groups And 19 groups Sheikh, you lived in Chicago as well You know it's not like Disneyland Or a fairy tale Or utopic By any stretch of the imagination The one common denominator Is there's a small group of people That's like 2% of the population Muslim population in that place That made a decision That they wanted to have a vision For the future Even if they fought about What that vision is going to be Incessantly since then but they made that and it's made all the difference. You have the chance to do it over here and you have a chance to bypass all of, all of them as well. You have a chance to bypass all of them. I can tell you, I can tell you, you can do it very quickly in fact. These things are very normal things wherever Muslims go. If Muslims were able to thrive in Andalus, back in the days when you couldn't call Makkah Karama or see a YouTube video of like the Taraweeh in Medina Munawara. If they can have Hufad and books about you know, Shatibiya and uh, Jazariya, these are all books written in Andalus about Qiraat and things like that. It's literally one, one principality in Spain, in which they had an emir one time that really like, himself was a Hafiz of Qur'an and really like, liked the Hifz of the Qur'an, so he made an institution for whatever the recitation, and it just became the culture in that place. All these Qurra came from there. In Spain, Spain is not even Muslim anymore. Ask, mashallah, uh, these it makes me cry because you know, Shatiba, uh, uh, There uh, some uh, c- pig eating, kafir eating hamon over there right now on the the the, the turba of our akabir. Ibn Hazm and and and, 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 and Al baji used to have huge debates with one another. You think that I, I get into me you know, you think I get into it with people who I disagree with with regards to fiqh? Those were grand showdowns that they used to have with one another. Ibn Hazm's house is like. Uh, was usurped by some kafir. There's like some sort of bed and breakfast there right now. Al-Baji, ibn Qadi ibn al Bar, he was a Qadi of Lisbon. God knows even where their graves are anymore. They, they destroyed the graves so nobody can visit them anymore. But the legacy still lives on. They're still alive. They're even more alive than the people that are here. You and me are alive. Because I promise you the Qur'an through which your Sanad went through, all of them, they read their books. Abu Bakr Shatibi Qari is like, he's blind, he was blind. Wallahi, he sees with more nur and with more basira than, 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 than any of us do. The point is, is that these are not far-fetched things. We can do these things ourselves. It's just a matter of wanting to have vision. It's a Mubarak night. I feel bad. I've spoken already way too much. I apologize. I just realized that, that what have I done? It's a Mubarak night. I've wasted too much of people's night, time. But let's make some sort of uh, 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 some sort of uh, decision inside of our hearts and some sort of intention and conviction look, this Sheikh Musa is sitting here he's been here for 11 years, mashallah he doesn't want to be in this position but he's here, Allah ta'ala put him in this position look at him and say that inshallah, he's going to be our emir in this project we're going to make this project come to pass mashallah, Hafiz Ibrahim Bayou Hussam uh, ha- Mulana Ilyas, uh, who was here last night may show up still they started, already started teaching the maktab kids. They already started teaching the kid, kids hifs. Right now, we import Hufav to Cleveland when we want to... Look, Jibril is sitting here. Where are you from? You are from Cleveland? Heck no, man. I'm from Detroit, from Motown, right? Inshallah, I promise you, forget about one day in the distant future. Within our lifetimes, we'll see. The kids will go from Cleveland to go and lead the taraweeh the, the, the in other cities they'll compete with one another masajid will have two and three tarawis. they'll compete with one another to lead the tarawih in the basements there's going to be so much Quran read in this city while the cities of the east are abandoning the book of Allah Ta'ala so that they can have shopping malls and Netflixes and all this other stuff no problem Allah give them hidayah may they return to the deen in a beautiful way if they don't want it we want it we'll take it we'll accept it we'll send our kids just like from Chicago kids who are who follow the Quran go to weird like Panama and like Venezuela and like You know, weird parts of South America and other places in order to read the Quran. My hometown, Blaine, Washington. I can't believe it has a masjid. We grew up there. We never thought. I used to go across the border to go go to Canada to go to Juma. 'ah. Now there's a masjid literally like seven houses from my house. How is it even possible? Chicago sent them to Hufad this year. Cleveland. Why should Why should Chicago send? Chicago is they're just eating hot dogs and deep dish pizza. They have nothing on you. There's nothing there that you guys don't have except for you have it better. It's Cleveland, let them send a half. Is also people can think, oh, Cleveland, Sharif, and all this other stuff. <laughs> we'll remember the time people, Laylatul qadr used to go out to McDonald's after whatever, the khatam, right? They have nothing on you. You just have to want it. If somebody else is hearing this and they're from somewhere else, they have nothing on you. You just have to want it. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala give us Tawfiq, Allah Taala from the barakah of this blessed night. If it's <laughs> the Laylatul Qadr, if it's khayrun min alfi shahr, if it's more b- 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 beautiful with Allah Taala and more uh, uh, mubarak with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and better with Allah Taala than a thousand months. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept with the ameen of those thousand months and the prayers of those thousand months, this dua of ours, that we make this place a holy and a sacred place, that we make this place a place where the book of Allah is read by day and night, that the name of Allah ta'ala is taken by day and night. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is read with sanad by day and night. Not to argue with people and you know, prove that I'm right and you're wrong. But for the love of Allah and His Rasul ﷺ. The barakat of those, places, the, 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 those, uh, those beautiful names and words come down on this place and protect it from calamity and protect it from tribulation and protect it from, from evil. This evil which is about to engulf the, the world. Because people are not heedless of Allah and nothing happens. You know, you're not going to have a society where uh, men are marrying men and women are marrying women. It's not going to have any consequence. Promise, I promise you, you're not going to have that and it's going to go without any consequence. These things are all going to fall apart. You and me both know that there's no future. You don't have to be a medical doctor in order to know that there's not a future in that. And when those things start to collapse and fall apart, life is going to become very hard for a lot of people. It's going to happen and it might happen in our own lifetimes. That this is the only thing that we can hold fast to, that when the flood of all that facade comes, this deen is the ark that's going to save us from that flood. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to build it according to ayunina wa wahiina. that we build it according to the plans that were handed down to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in its exact details, according according to the, the knowledge of revelation, that we can build it and it can save us from the flood of this world and the flood of the hereafter. In this Mubarak night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq, even if it's not Laylatul Qadr, Allah ta'ala can all he has to say is yes, that I accept this Amin and I accept this prayer and it will come to pass. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from us. Ameen. wa rahmatullahi wa